Podcast ain't played nobody. Rivalry Week edition. Bill, uh, we've never had an advertiser on this show. Um, that's no fault of our own. That has to do with some uh, some stuff higher up, and I think maybe we will one day. Uh, but I have a question for you, Bill, right off the top. Uh, do you ever find yourself in need of some fresh, gluten-free breads and treats? Absolutely, especially when I find myself in the greater Madison area. Uh, yes. I just don't, I don't know where to look. And you're looking, and you want you want a gluten-free bread or, or some treats, some, some maybe like a dessert, and you want them, no preservatives, you want them made from scratch, right? Absolutely. Okay, so if if this applies to you, I think you should check out the Silly Yak Bakery. It's on 780, or sorry, 7866 Mineral Point Road up there in Wisconsin, um, in, in, the, in the city of actual Madison where the University of Wisconsin is. Uh, you can actually email your orders, and they will priority mail orders to you. So you don't even have to be in the Wisconsin area to get some of this amazing, fresh, gluten-free goodness. And they've got breads, and they've got some muffins, and... Um, that looks like a loaf on their website of some probably good thing. Um, it says right here you've got gluten-free scones, muffins, sweetbreads, buns, donuts, cinnamon rolls, brownies, cookies, pizza, pizza bites, cakes, cupcakes, pies, and even some dry goods. That's pretty amazing. So, again, check out Silly Yak Bakery. They're on the Internet at www.freshglutenfree.net. Um, and have yourself, have yourself a gluten-free holiday. Bill, why am I talking about Silly Yak Bakery? Uh, I would love to know. Silly Yak Bakery, um, in, in our ever, ever annoying quest to raise $10,000 through our GoFundMe account for Democracy Prep down in Baton Rouge, Silly Yak ba- Bakery and Breadborn, that's their official name, which is very kind of hard to say. It's kind of loopy and staccato. Uh, Kyle Mook, specifically, who I assume is associated with Silly Yak Bakery and Breadborn in the uh, Madison, Wisconsin area, he matched the donation for this week's segment. We had already received a $200 donation from our fine friends over at uh, the Buck Around podcast. So we were going to talk Wisconsin. Uh, we will talk Wisconsin in a second. And then they dumped 200 more dollars on, which is, um, that's amazing. You already got your segment, and they just felt like it was something they, they wanted to do. By the way, as we record this, we're just over $8,000 of a $10,000 goal by season's end. Season's end being sort of like loosely the national title game. So I think we're going to make it. Um, things have slowed down a little bit, but I will say this next week's show, um, we don't have segments bought yet. So we're actually clearing out our backlog. So we have two segments available. It's $200 for your team. Um, please don't push me too hard and try and like, like if we have to talk Southeastern Louisiana for 25 minutes, I mean, we can do it. Um, but you know, I don't even know how many people would want to, what do you think? What what do you think the drop off of this podcast is? Where is the point where people are like, that's too much minutia? (laughs) You know, it's hard to say when we haven't hit it yet or even hinted at it. Uh, people seem to appreciate us getting lost in the weeds. Like a Mount Union, Wisconsin Whitewater thing, I think people would dig oh, on because, they, because oh, they're because yeah. they familiar with those brands every year during those playoffs. You know, at least for five minutes, it sort of occupies your attention. That was always what I experienced as a Georgia Southern fan growing up was like if you had a sub 1A team as your, you know, people, if you made the playoffs a lot, people were like, oh, yeah. like, But I don't know if we do like – Oh my God! Are you kidding? <laughs> Bill, we we actually looked into ch- to uh, getting rid of our landline. It'll save us like five to ten dollars a month because they'll just rate jack up the other rates. You're never gonna um, you're never gonna lose that landline. I don't want you to lose that landline, Bill. That landline is there to make you sad. 
That just that just that, uh, that destroyed my soul. Now I, I don't have any. Well, guess what? Since your soul's already gone, let's talk about the college football playoff rankings. <laughs> mm, transition. I'm back. All right, let's go. Guess who's number one? Um, I didn't look, so this is just going to be a complete uh, shot in the dark guess. I'm going to say Alabama. Hey, were these on? Did these come out earlier Tuesday night? I have well, no they idea. came out later th- last week or whenever okay. that was. For no reason whatsoever. Uh, well, I'm sure there was a reason, but there's not going to be a good reason because there's no good reason to have the show. But anyway. All right, one, two, three. Um, here we go real fast. 25, Navy. 24, Stanford. 23, Wazoo. 22, Utah. 21, Western Michigan. 20, Houston. Hey, you're back. 19, Boise State. 18, West Effin, Virginia. 17, Tennessee. 16, Nebraska, 15, Florida. You're ranked too high. 14, Florida State, 13, Auburn. You are too. Number 12, Southern Cal. Number 11, Louisville. You might be as well. Number 10, Oklahoma State. Number 9, Colorado, America's team. Number 8, Oklahoma. Number 7, Penn State. Number 6, Wisconsin. Number 5, Washington. Still getting screwed. Number 4, Clemson. Number 3, Michigan. Number 2, Ohio State. And number 1, a small liberal arts college located in West Alabama. Um, why you got to be such an SEC hater, man? Uh, I enjoy it. That's why. Uh, it, it really oh, just goes sorry. back to my roots in the Big Ten. Um, uh, so let's go um, G5 Bowl winner first. Yeah, I, I, I love, uh, by the way, that there's a, like, a ceiling. Well, we can't r- rank a G5 team any higher than 19th, so we're just going to cram the three we want to rank, or four, three of the four we want to rank, right up there against that ceiling at 19th. We're just going to put them right in a row. Um, now, you have to win your conference, right? Yes. Yeah, basically, so those so are the Houston's rankings. Out. Boise, Boise, Houston, Western Michigan, and Navy in that order, but... Uh, only Western Michigan and Navy are now favored to win their conference, and Boise State needs New Mexico to beat Wyoming. So uh, lots of lots of um, uh, Wyoming fans in Western Michigan right now. But uh, you know, but yeah, really, this is a race between at, at current moment until New Mexico pulls an upset. This is a race between Western Michigan and Navy. Um, Man, Navy. I, you know, first of all, uh, shout out to Goalie Lax uh, the, on Twitter, the guy who uh, consistently mocks uh, where S&P has Navy ranked. Um, I will say two things about Navy. Uh, number one, they have taken on a much harder schedule than, um, than Western Michigan, and they deserve credit for that. So the fact that they've lost twice and Western Michigan hasn't, you know, there's, there's merit to them being still being close. They have played Notre Dame. They played Houston. They played USF. They won two of those three games. Um, so, I mean, power to them. And, and if, if Western Michigan loses, I don't really have a, a, a problem again, uh, with, you know, putting Navy, uh, in, in that bowl game. The second thing is Navy's defense stinks. Um, basically Navy has, especially of late, uh, against USF, against Notre Dame, against Tulsa. Well, hell, they gave up 31 points against East Carolina. Um, Navy slows the game down, shrinks the number of possessions, and still gives up 27-plus points per game. It requires their offense to be absolutely perfect, uh, and it has been of late, so it hasn't been an issue. Uh, Their offense for the last, what, I guess six weeks has been remarkable. Uh, Even at a slow pace, they've been scoring, well, not a remarkably slow pace, but a slower than, uh, but not not a ridiculous pace at least. Yeah, they're they're right in the middle in my tempo rankings. They've scored 46, 42, 45, 28, 42, and 66 against East East Carolina. Um, 
yeah, they are forcing their offense to be perfect, and their offense has been perfect, and nothing in the world is sexier than a perfect Navy offense. So um, I have no problem with them playing like a Wisconsin in in the Cotton Bowl or whatever. Uh, I would enjoy that immensely. Uh, I'm pretty happy for the team that I've loved the most for all these years, and that's Southern Cal. Um, They are the (laughs) highest-ranked three-loss team, as they should be. I think they should be ranked ahead of a couple of these two-loss teams. Um, They probably won't be, but... Uh, in a way, this is good news for Washington in that Washington is still sitting at number five right now. Obviously, with the game to be played, they feel good about that. What they also should feel good about is that with uh, Washington State has snuck in, what we have seen so far um, is, so far being two and almost three years now of these rankings, there's no logic when you when you step away from the week-to-week in terms of, of merit of the games played, right? So so the stock of your wins and losses is always changing to these people. And it's always changing to us, too. But then they're formulating a decision that is essentially – they create a decision every week that the next week is invalid is, is the shortest thing I can say about the, the college football right. playoff. And the math and, and, the, and the logic and the ranking they use is now bunk. Here's the good news. Washington State is in the ranking. They're 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 twenty three. Utah's twenty two, and USC and Colorado are both respectably ranked. So what I'm saying is, you've got two. If they do win out, you've got two good looking wins coming up. And Stanford, um, Stanford being good now helps Washington as well. Um, it does. You know what? Washington, I didn't even think about that because that game was so Washington so long ago. Obliterated. Yeah. That, yeah. Like that. That was. Um, yeah. I think you know. It, it, obviously, we don't know how the committee is going to react to Ohio State, Michigan. That's going to be really interesting. You know, obviously, maybe it's partially probably uh, keep them both ranked in the top four. Well, actually, I mean, if you look at the rankings currently, uh, it is the most orderly set of rankings I've ever seen. Let's start with the 11-0 and team. Then let's go with the 4-10-1 and teams. Then we're going to go with 6-9-2 and teams. And then the 8-3 the, the and teams and a couple of two-loss teams that we don't like as much. And then at 19, we're going to put in the mid-majors. Uh, it really, this was almost like a mailed-in uh, set of rankings right here. So going by this, you could say that the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, will fall, I guess, to fifth if nobody else loses. But I don't know if I believe that. We'll see. Chaos um, has a really good shot this year of breaking the logic of this thing. And I, we still need a couple of things to happen before we reach chaos. Once we reach there, um, I, I did uh, on Monday, I did uh, radio in Ohio. And they were talking about, like, what happens if, you know, Ohio State beats Michigan barely. Uh, so Michigan falls, Ohio State doesn't move up or maybe just stays about the same, but Clemson wins uh, its conference title game. Washington wins its conference title game. What happens if, say, you end up in a situation where you're looking at choosing a, one team between, say, potential number four Ohio State and potential number five and Big, 12, Big Ten champion Penn State? Uh, at that point, does head-to-head carry over and Penn State gets flipped ahead of Ohio State? My, my immediate answer fun. was... There's gonna be so many uh-huh. fun questions about head-to-head and conference titles coming up. It's uh, yeah, there are no for, for, there are no fun questions with me for head-to-head in the end. But because I mean, my response was Ohio State's better, and Ohio State didn't lose to Pitt, so therefore Ohio State, which also has fewer losses and has looked like has shown a much higher ceiling, of course I would pick Ohio State, but I'm not picking, and so that's interesting. Uh, that almost ends up becoming a. Um, 
you know, the, what we had a couple of years before the playoff where, you know, you had a, you know, a, what is it? A, like a one loss Oregon and a two loss Stanford. And then like a one loss Stanford and a two loss Oregon. Uh, it gets a little weird in that case. I, I still don't think it's going to be an issue because if Ohio state beats Michigan, I don't see them dropping from the two spot. Uh, Clemson, you think about them beating um, what either unranked what, yeah, neither North Carolina or Virginia Tech are ranked in this these rankings. So they'd be re- beating an unranked team in the ACC title game. I doubt they'd get a bump. And if Washington gets a bump, then it might be ahead of Clemson. So I think, you know, it, this isn't an issue because Ohio State laminates the number two spot if they beat Penn State. I mean, Michigan. But it's something to think about. We don't know how they're going to handle all these little things. And we know that they're not, they're definitely not immune to, as you said, you know, they redraw the rankings every week. So they're not immune to doing something wild, basically in the last week, the merit that earns you the spot this week could potentially mean nothing next week. And we just, we wipe our brains clean, which is, I don't know. how I, I, I don't know. This is something I do. I mean, sorry guys, but I am going to dedicate a lot of time to when we trudge through the off season. It's just looking at these things week to week and watching value disappear because I do think it's worth looking at. I know everyone in SB Nation sort of carries this voice. It's pretty strong inside of our editorial department of this is stupid. It doesn't matter. We're not going to watch this. We're not going to we're not going to kind of wallow in it the way ESPN has manufactured the PR and all that. But it is the decision-making process for the national champion. So it does matter. And some of the logic week to week when you just start comparing it is fascinating. By the way, uh, quick transition here. True or false? If Oklahoma, it doesn't matter who wins at Bedlam. If we had a Big 12 title this year, Bedlam would happen twice regardless, right? Correct. Fantastic, Big 12. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, and so, I mean, that can happen. I'm so proud of you obviously that can happen with divisions too we had that with what ucla stanford a couple of years ago it can it happen, happen but it happened like it's happened like one time in the other right. format this is magnifique yeah i mean if the big 12 is smart here they at least move like bedlam and maybe a couple of other things to the saturday before thanksgiving because number one that's a great i mean that's open that's so con saturday you can you can get marquee uh ratings that day uh, well, and they kind of did already because they got Oklahoma West Virginia on uh, right. the, a game the they did not expect to be good though. I mean, when when they when the schedules were created for the Big right. Twelve, I yeah, mean, they lucked into that one. Yeah, but yeah, again, I mean, this is your... the West Virginia team that's firing Dana Holgerson in twenty sixteen. Remember that? <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, like put OU OSU on that weekend. Put. Uh, I don't know, Baylor, whatever we we decide or the other, like Baylor, either Baylor, Texas or, or TCU, Texas at that same time. Uh, give us some funky like West Virginia, Kansas State game just in case. But try to make that your marquee weekend um, just to avoid having because, you know, if, if there's a situation like this where it not only are you playing Bedlam two straight weeks, but the winner of the first game doesn't even matter. Um that that's only going to earn you terrible press. Uh, and granted, you're used to that. You're the Big 12. You're, you've kind of mastered the art of figuring out how to get bad press by making stupid decisions. But that's crazy. That, that's this, it's crazy and it's unavoidable. Uh, or excuse me, it's cra- crazy and totally avoidable is what I'm trying to say in English. Um, but no, that's where we are. If, if they had a title game this year, we would be looking at a completely and totally meaningless scrimmage in preparation for the real Bedlam game a week later. I've met Brad Edwards twice from ESPN. 
I have nothing against him. He actually grew up in Jackson, and I finished high school in Jackson. He's a, he's he, a nice guy. He's an Alabama grad. Um, he and a couple other people have been pushing a wildly stupid narrative, yes. and that's that the playoff is ruining particular games. Specifically, he went on Feinbaum, and I don't watch or listen to Feinbaum, but I had the um, – I think it showed up in Twitter that, you know, the Iron Bowl has been rendered uh, – has been rendered – what was it? I don't uh, remember if obsolete. he said me. It was – yeah, so, basically, uh, the, like the Iron Bowl has no stakes. Right. So the number one team in the country that's the only undefeated team, and other than our boys down there at Western Michigan, sorry, sorry, um, the number one team, the undefeated team in the country, Alabama, is playing number 13, 8-3 Auburn. And that doesn't matter. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I understand the and logic if, to a degree. Auburn you know, doesn't if you, throw if, one pick six in a bad game against Georgia, it matters a whole hell of a lot. Right. But, I mean, I get it. Like, if Alabama loses, they're still in the top four. Therefore, it technically has no ramifications. But, number one, it's the freaking out, uh, Iron Bowl. Yeah, have you two, ever been to a – hey, have, hey, earmuffs alert. Earmuffs alert. Ready? Scrub, scrub 10 seconds. Have you ever been to a fucking Iron Bowl? <laughs> they yeah, all – okay, you're gonna... good now on earmuffs. You all, it always matters. I know that sounds like one of these stupid Regents Bank commercials that I see down here on television, but it always matters. And, I mean, among other things, I get it. Like, Alabama's not going to fall out of the top four if they lose. But then they have they're to not. beat Florida. So it actually yeah. adds state to the next game. So technically, there there are still ramifications here. So, I mean, I, I understand, in theory, what he's trying to say. But no. No, it's the freaking Iron Bowl. Uh, and it's it's freaking college football. I'm saying freaking. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm the good one. Um, but the, the, there are always stakes. There are still stakes. It, the playoff has not ruined that. Uh, if we want to go down to eight teams, you know, fine. That then it starts to get a little weird, and you get you maybe you end up with a few more of these situations, like what I was just talking about with Bedlam, where yeah. you have like a, a mulligan, so to speak, uh, and and you don't have to win a game late in the year that's supposed to be a, a big game or whatever. Fine. Um, it still it's it still matters. It's still the Iron Bowl, and it still has at least minor ramifications. I'm taking my and it has ramifications for Auburn in case they want to try to get up one of those automatic bids uh, to get into one of the big bowls. I sound like a phone sex operator for like a CSS or JavaScript, some sort of like phone sex for programmers. But I'm gently right now taking my cursor and I'm scrolling and minimizing the window bill to just eight teams. And in an 18 playoff, this is what you would get right now. In the first round, Alabama and Oklahoma, Ohio State-Penn State rematch, Michigan-Wisconsin, Clemson-Washington. Give me so two give rematches. Me, give me that cocaine. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd now granted, fine. that, that hey, includes I'd be two, fine with that. That includes two rematches and Alabama massacring Oklahoma, but um, Clemson-Washington no. would be fun. I mean, stick whatever team you want in at eight. I mean, Colorado is probably not going to fare much better. Sorry, America. Oklahoma yeah. State would be a mass. It would be massacreier. And uh, uh, do we want to talk about what Louisville would would accomplish against that front? I mean, it's not it's not better in any way, shape, or form. No, I, I you know I can be. Well, first of all, I can be talked to. I would go with that. Wetzel I'm theory. Drop. Put number eight is Western Michigan. Damn or, straight. Or like I, I would be okay with Boise. an eight. Put Boise in there. Oh, I just got so excited. Put Boise. I would be okay. I would be okay with an eight if it included all five Power Conference champions and the G five spot. And then because one year we would get an eight over one upset, and it would be amazing. Yeah. And so two and two wild two wild cards. 
Two at-larges? Yes. Yeah, that would basically be what it was. All right, well, what's uh, that? So in this case, let's do, all right, let's do that so, real fast. Let's do yeah. that real fast. Go, Bill, go. I think I basically projected this a couple weeks ago, but we're looking at, okay, so A or 1 Alabama. Hang on, I got to type. A. I got to type so don't everybody complain about my microphone distance. So type you so get so Alabama. Alabama. You get so many Clemson. freaking tweets about my microphone. Washington. Okay. So, so wait, we're, we're going to say. Senior ranking. I'm, I'm just, I'm putting right. the pool together right Bama, now. Bama, Washington, Oklahoma. Sorry, folks. Uh, uh, Clemson. Put, yeah, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Oklahoma, and then the Big Ten champion. Who do we think is going to win Ohio State, Michigan? I say Ohio, Ohio State. State. You said Ohio State. Okay, so that means no, Penn, Penn State, State versus Wisconsin. Who wins Penn State, Wisconsin? Penn State. Wow, okay. Uh, so your your conference champions are Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State. You're going to have, I guess, Western Michigan is still – Western Michigan, Western I guess, Michigan. is still the, the favorite, although it could go in a lot of di- different directions still. And so then you've got Ohio State, and then you've got either Who are Michigan my guys here? or Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess you got Michigan, actually. Um, Why? So three, three Big Ten teams in the top eight. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. We have five conference champions and a G5 rep, and we have two wild yes. cards. Yes. Our wild Ohio cards State are... obviously gets one of the wild cards. Yeah, and then... You're choosing then it's either me. Michigan or Wisconsin or like Colorado, so it's probably Michigan. Um. Okay, definitely Ohio State, and let's say uh, it has to be Michigan. There's too much separation between them and everybody else. And they beat Wisconsin. They yeah, they beat Wisconsin. Rug this weekend. How far do they fall? They're still they're number three and if four they get and five are in there. Four and five are in there, and then six Wisconsin we have losing. So and then uh, and then seven and eight are in. So they're not they they would have to fall below Colorado or Oklahoma State or Louisville. That's not going to happen. So hey hey, it's Godfrey here. I, this I, is my inner this is my inner monologue. I'm just trying to get Bill to put Colorado in the playoff. It's not happening. There's no freaking way unless they beat All Washington. Right, put, but if they beat Washington, in, hell put Michigan yes. in, you Yankee. Go ahead. So basically, I'm going to drop them down, and we're going to end up with seeding so where we basically get, let's see, I, I, I have Alabama 1. I'm still going to have Ohio State 2, I think. Clemson 3, Washington 4. Okay, so hang on. Ohio State. Clemson, Washington. Obviously, Western Michigan is the eight. Yes, Penn State is now the five. We'll say Oklahoma's the six. Michigan's the seven. Okay, okay, hold on. I just had Michigan oh, the seven. Which oh. means Ohio State. <laughs> I just right. broke the Bill Brain. I just broke the. So, in an effort to avoid first round rematches, we're gonna say that's a thing too. That you can't have a rematch in the quarterfinals. Oh, cool. So Western range. Michigan's gonna jump Michigan. No, well, no. I was gonna have. I'm gonna have one Alabama versus eight Western Michigan. Um, I'm going to have four Washington versus five Penn State. I like that game. That'd be a fun game. That'd be fun. Uh, Washington would win. Three Clemson versus six Michigan. And two Ohio. Damn it. Ohio State, Oklahoma. Damn it. All right. So <laughs> one, one Alabama versus eight Oklahoma. I just gave myself the game that I hated earlier. Two Ohio State versus seven Western Michigan. Um, yeah, that works. Three Clemson versus six Michigan, and four Washington versus five Penn State. So you would ha- then have a Alabama Washington semifinal. You would have an Oklahoma or an Ohio State. Ah, uh, Clemson Michigan would be rough. Uh, kind of depends on Fine. Michigan's quarterback situation. Why would it be rough? But there you go. There's your 18 playoff. Wait, why is Clemson well, Michigan rough? I think that, 
Because it'd be a really fun game, I think. I, I meant, like, it's rough in that I don't immediately oh, say yeah, yeah, X, yeah, yeah. Team A is going to win. I love why. I mean, I love the idea. Like, I, I'll, I'll live with an Ohio State-Oklahoma rematch if we get Washington, Penn State, and Clemson, Michigan, because those are going to be super fun games. Which, by the way, we just uh, kind of also spelled out why six teams would also be decent, uh, because then you would have two Alabama and Ohio State with buys, uh, and then you'd have Clemson, Michigan, and Washington, Penn State. Basically, six teams would be the same thing. You get, except you would have five conference yeah. champions in at large, and no Western Michigan or or, or Michigan, I guess. So yeah, we that's get, not going to work. Damn it! This is hard to do on the fly. We wouldn't get Michigan because they wouldn't get in. Um, oh well. So we would have Clemson, Oklahoma for the third straight year, and probably the same result. Uh, but we'd get Washington, Penn State. So if that's worth it to you. I think we just basically built up the argument and shot it down and built it up and shot it down again. But bottom line is, four is also good. You could so do six without – here's the deal. You could do six without ensuring a conference champion. Boy, I don't think they would ever agree to six without ensuring the conference champion. They barely agreed to this. I think it's going to go to eight one day, and I think that you're going to have to incentivize the seating. In other words, to Mr. Edwards' point, and I think the Wall Street Journal wrote a stupid thing on it too, uh, The you would have to – if the, if this was a, an 18 playoff and Bama did lose to Auburn, you would have to create a circumstance to come from that, right? So right, right. This, what I'm saying is the number one seed has to be worth more than the number five or six or seven seed. So location of playoff would be a big thing. This is where it gets really, really tricky, and this is where it actually falls apart because not the math, not the logic, the politics. So, in other words, what I'm saying is if, if Alabama is the clear-cut number one in 2016 and you have an 18 playoff, you would need four sites and you'd need four bowl games, essentially, right? Well, I, I think – Alabama um, a bowl game, it would have to be for Alabama to experience like a true home crowd. It would have to be the peach of the sugar. I think if we – I think most of the scenarios, most of the quote-unquote proposals that aren't really proposals, they're things people make up, um, I think most of them involve – um, the first, the quarterfinals being at home stadiums before Christmas. I don't think that can happen either. I think it could. I mean, if you have like a two week, no, break, I don't mean like it couldn't physically happen under God's green earth. Well, no, I mean, but like, I think I think they would. I think people would agree to it too. That because then you would still because basically here's what would have to happen for people to agree to it. Number one, you still have the semifinal structure like you have it, and then number two, the quarterfinal losers get dumped into the bowl pool. Uh, which I have no problem with whatsoever. Then you're delaying so bowl selection. For well, you can make you can basically set it up to where two bowls get the four teams that lost. Um, you know, have that on a rotating whatever and kind of set I don't it know up if like those the bowls. Are, I mean, that that's when you really start to call in the, the the logical fallacy of a bowl in that if you enter a playoff, you're now talking about almost an NIT structure. And that so let's say yeah. let's the, say Ohio State, were, Oklahoma. In the, in the first round of these playoffs, and then you tell the fans. Now, keep in mind, you have to sell. When you're talking about selling a bowl, you have to have a guaranteed allotment of tickets purchased. You have to get a city excited. You have to get a title sponsor engaged, and you have to make them think that it matters. You have to kind of lie to everybody. And, in, and in, so in order to do that, you're going to say, Oklahoma, you just got whooped by Ohio State again. You're out of the playoff. Come to the blank bowl, the Gator. Yeah. Look, Not bowl, I mean – they have missed out on the playoff regardless. This was their chance to get into the playoff. And bowls were created to drive local revenue and to celebrate uh, teams that had good seasons. And this would be exactly the same. Um, you're I not mean, you know, A lot of teams wrong. would lose you're, you're, and then not show up for the Yeah, bowl, you're not uh, wrong. But I'm just telling you. Choice. That's their damn choice. But um, you're, 
you're not wrong. I'm just telling you it, it's not going to happen because those bowl committees aren't like I, I just talked to a bowl rep last week and they get terrified when and this is in the world of the six and sixes to the eight and fours. They get worried about is this team coming in with two losses? Are they going to show up for this? Well, right. I mean, that's always a concern. That that right. it's a massive. That doesn't concern. change. That right. doesn't change. It, what I'm saying is a massive concern. concern. And if you're if you're an organizer and your season is essentially over, you've been knocked out of the playoffs. Mobilizing a fan base, it would be really hard to get them to go to like the Gator Bowl. You wouldn't sell it. I'm saying no. Well, none of the money involved would feel secure enough to make that investment. It wouldn't be the Gator Bowl. It would still be you know. Okay, so who has the play? this year? It's Fiesta and Peach have the the the, the semifinals. So then, uh, like yes, the sir. cotton, and, the the cotton and orange would get the the quote unquote consolation games, um, and and so let's say that in our scenario that I'm looking at right now, um, Alabama, Oklahoma, Washington, Penn State, Ohio State, Western Michigan, Clemson, Michigan, uh, let's say all the lower seeds lose, then you would end up with something to the effect of now, I mean, having somebody play Western Michigan, yeah, that team's going to struggle to 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 show up mentally, but. Uh, if you set it like so, if we set that up to where it's sort of regional, where like the top two uh, eliminated seeds get first choice, you have Penn State probably in the orange, Michigan in the cotton. Uh, you'd have like a Michigan or you'd have like a Penn State Oklahoma uh, celebration of '85 Orange Bowl, uh, and then you'd have then you'd have a potentially terrible Michigan Western Michigan Cotton Bowl. How soon? Uh, how soon is the turnaround? So, uh, so Oklahoma and Ohio State play in this two-seven matchup. Mm-hmm. How soon? Uh, when is that matchup on our calendar? Um, I think what I saw somebody mention the other day that I enjoyed was it's basically Army Navy Day. You have Army Navy Day. You have Army Navy basically lead off the day or close to it. What do they play at? Like one o'clock, sure. two o'clock. So December twelfth. Um, uh, Twenty-sixth, third, tenth. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenth. Uh, it would either so either the tenth or the seventeenth. Basically, you would have to have it, and then you have two weeks until the. You have two, you have two weeks. Of, yeah, you have two weeks of buying. Two to two to three weeks, 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 I guess. Two to three yeah. weeks. Depending again, on how you set again, it up. totally makes sense and agree with you on everything. Bulls won't go for it. They, well, you have, tough you shit. Gave, you gave them two. You gave them two and a half weeks. T- <laughs> listen, listen. On and book travel and stuff. Tough, tough shit because you have. Um, you're, we've just expanded the the playoff to eight teams, and you, if you want to, you know, conter- if you want to cur- still retain a bowl structure, uh, people will be calling for the end of bowl structure at that point. Why not so, just but, so? But why not just take them off campus and use four bowls every year? Because right now the partner bowls are complaining on the years that they're the two well, the, who? The, the partner bowls that are off the rotation for two years are mad about that. So why not just fill up all the bowls with these teams? So what are you saying? Like December thirty first is the quarterfinals, January seventh is the semis, and January fourteenth is the title game. Yeah, there's nothing that keeps that. Everyone says that it bleeds into January. They're like, oh, well, it really holds up. It didn't hold up anything. Ugh, I don't know. I like I like the season ending sooner than later. I do too. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. I like the idea that I ignore the fallacy of of taking a month break because that doesn't exist anywhere else, right? College basketball has a conference tournament, and Sunday, uh, it, the Sunday as they crown the, you know, Kentucky and Ohio State win the their conference tournaments. Then we watch CBS. We get the seeds, and then the playing game is Wednesday night, right? Right. Yeah. Tuesday. Then, There's like what? There are a yeah, couple Tuesday, Tuesday yeah, and a couple Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. and then or two Tuesday or two is or whatever the hell it is, and then Thursday basketball gets played. I say push through, and don't anybody, anybody email me about final exams.
By the way, uh, everybody has to drink because part of the drinking game is when somebody says a curse word and it's not Godfrey. So uh, everybody drink. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bill. Um, we went 32 minutes on the playoffs, and we both oh, feel God. real, real good about it. Um, so let's <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, actually. Let's talk about Wisconsin first because yes. this is the most Wisconsin email possible. In that, stay with me. We're not. They don't actually want us to talk about Wisconsin. So the theme of Wisconsin on pretty much everyone's podcast is that they're the most quiet, like reliable, and utterly forgettable. It's like their rebound boyfriend. That's all. That's all you, by the way. I think Wisconsin is incredible. And no, I think they're uh, great. And, I just can't ever remember anything they've ever said. To me. I think I don't, think they're at, I don't think they're charismatic at all. I think they help you. I think Wisconsin helps you bring in your groceries and is super nice to your mom. And then you're going to leave Wisconsin is within a couple weeks because Ohio State's over there smoking cigarettes behind the school, baby. Just made myself laugh too much. <laughs> I'm tired, dude. Uh, Wisconsin is awesome. They're fantastic. The problem nationally that Wisconsin has is that Wisconsin always has two to three losses. They put together a really good year, and then you just forget about them unless you live in Wisconsin. I like steady and reliable Wisconsin. You're steady and reliable, my man. (laughs) Uh, Richard Brands from Buck Around writes, uh, (laughs) I got to condense this as I read, which is always a fun editing uh, exercise. Um, so basically, R- Richard adopts this Wisconsin policy of like humility and niceness. We're like, hey, we gave you money for your fundraiser. Do you don't need to talk about Wisconsin? We are so Richard. We are going to talk about Wisconsin. We are. Don't be nice. Um, and the, he said, what about a more nuts and bolts breakdown of how the coaching carousel actually works? Given the turnover at the position at uh, Wisconsin has seen over the past few years, and with the talk surrounding Texas, I thought it might interest our listeners and be uh, timely to boot. If you're P.J. Fleck, Tom Herman, or insert hot coaching name here, what is going on in their coaching life right now? You always have some variation of, I'm not talking to anyone about about this, but the one job I have, and quote from them publicly, but I assume that they have reps of some sort doing work for them that gives them a level of plausible deniability. In the past, we've seen people like Nick Saban and Les Miles leverage raises from off-season rumor and speculation. How exactly is that done? Is it simply agents letting ADs know that they are taking phone calls, or is there more to it? And then on the flip side, how does an AD test the waters towards the end of the season while still employing a coach who is on the hot seat? And in case of a guy like Charlie Strong, who very well may be out of work in a week, so the uh, who may be very well out of work in a week or so, what are they doing in terms of planning for their future? I find the whole process interesting because of how quickly it gets done and the dollar amounts involved. I feel like the mechanics of this rarely get explored, and so I thought it might be worthy of our time. Um, that's that. That's like a whole show. Um, yeah, go. I'm going to go get coffee. You can uh, talk okay. for a few. Um, so let's, let's try and work backwards here. If you're a coach like Charlie Strong right now, um, I, I, and I do believe this having spoken to some – we are recording this is early, uh, mid-morning on Wednesday. I don't know if Charlie Strong – and his staff feel like they are 100% done. They are probably 95% done. Um, and, and because of that, and because of how badly that thing was, was handled on Sunday night especially, in which I don't think we ever ran our confirmation at SB Nation because I was on a plane and I had a little bit of a delay getting in touch with people. Um, I had two people telling me that it had already gone through and then when they when they pulled the reins up real hard at the last second the ad's office said well no decision's been made we are waiting until the end of the season what we were seeing was basically two hands not knowing what the other was doing um 
people had already been informed in Texas and then it grew to a more public level than Texas really, really naively thought it would, which just just there's no kind. It just blows my mind. Um, so Texas has been handled exceptionally bad. It's hard to create any kind of comparison to Texas. We were talking about this at work yesterday about minority coaches and the treatment. Texas is its own thing, and it's such an outlier in, in so many ways that it's hard to establish precedent from Texas and apply it to other schools, even rich schools. Um, and that's not a compliment, Texas people. It just means you're real stupid. Um, you just have like an insane amount of money to back up that level of stupidity and maybe even foster more stupidity on top of that. So if you're, ta- if you're, if you're Charlie this week, right now you really are just trying to focus on winning that game. Um, in a case like Charlie specifically, he is very close with his players. Some coaches are closer to their players than others, and he is having been there and been in the locker room. And I was also in the locker room one night for they beat Cincinnati when he was at Louisville. The dude is legitimately concerned right now about he doesn't want to lose this job. This is the biggest job he may will probably ever have in his career. So he is just worried about putting one foot in front of the other at this moment. Um, would he be, will he be in demand when he is let go? Yeah, he will be, but he will evaluate those options. Keep in mind, he's going to get a substantial buyout. He's been paid a lot of money. So he has time on his side now. And, you know, some coaches like Miles, Miles has been hunkered down in Baton Rouge since he got fired, immediately trying to get back into the game. Uh, he set up a workstation in a, uh, I think it's like a condo he owns over in Baton Rouge. Um, had some people kind of bring over all of his stuff out of the athletic facilities building at LSU. And he has been, you know, he's made an agent change. He's contacted assistant coaches. He's been very aggressive about not wanting to fade out. He wants to be coaching in 2017 because at his age and that point in the career, I don't think he wants to do the Houston nut thing or, or become the Houston nut thing is maybe the best way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So on the top end, if you're Tom Herman, your head is down right now. If you're P.J. Fleck, your head is down right now. Fleck is an actually more interesting case. It's, he's not as talked about as much as Herman because Texas isn't involved with P.J. Fleck. But Fleck is, is managing Western Michigan to unprecedented heights, kind of what Herman was doing last year, except we didn't know how all that was going to shake out. I was down in Houston last year when they beat Navy in the conference title game to go and play Florida State. Western Michigan <coughs> excuse me, has had a more... A clearer path to what 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 could happen, which is that if you keep winning, you might be in what is it, is the cotton right, Bill? Uh, that, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that's their focus right now. This is why these are the moments right now where you hire the agent because they're going back and forth and doing all the little things. So it's really hard, Bill, because I kind of have to like I kind of have to debunk both sides, and, and it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself, but the coach knows what's going on. It's his agent. It's his future. It's his job. They're not involved in the blow-by-blow. They, certain coaches compartmentalize this to, to different degrees. And you, you hear about a lot of this after the fact. Um, that's why sometimes it's easier for me to explain these things based on specific, like what, it, what happened with X. And if I know, I can tell you because there is no hard and fast rule for this. Um, <clears throat> I'm, the, the I'm not talking to anyone about any job but the one I have. So let's let's address that. That is technically true. That's the level of plausible deniability and that like if you're Jimbo Fisher right now with all the rumors about LSU, you are just focused on being Florida this week. That is true. That is true. However, Jimmy Sexton is not focused on beating Florida. Jimmy Sexton is focused on getting you paid and then the guy he potentially replaces you with at Florida State getting paid. Um, and you know about that. You are involved in it, but to a small, small degree. Now, 
I will say this. The second, the hot second that these games are over, unless you're headed to a conference title game, I mean, it can turn on a dime. I think some of these hires are going to be pretty fast. I think LSU may be the fastest of the big ones. Texas is going to be definitely longer than LSU. I really think that, I mean, even though Tom Herman is this, like, one-to-one favorite, and I'm not saying he's not. I, I believe he is, and I believe he'll be the next coach at Texas. They're not going to have a one-man coaching search. They're Texas. They're going to talk to a lot of people. They're going to do their due diligence. Big, big time. Um, before we talk about Wisconsin, I, I hope I did a, a decent job, Richard, in, in addressing that. But um, in short, agents have been working really nonstop because of the way the last two years have gone. I wrote about this at SB Nation. The Miles firing, the Sarkeesian firing. Um, am I leaving one out, Bill? Um, oh, I'm not back uh, yet. Uh, I'm still getting uh, coffee. Uh, uh, Virginia Tech. and uh, Virginia Tech, Frank Beamer retiring in South Carolina. Steve Spurrier retiring. We have seen a paradigm shift in that coaches and agents now have to look at the job market almost year-round. It was a couple episodes ago Bill kind of went, went on a rant about this and that we are never actually focused on the now in college football. When, right. when games are being played, everything is being put into the perspective of what is going to happen to a staff. That is, it's never been worse, really. And it does suck because you can't really talk about a team like without spinning it forward or backwards. Right. Um, so it goes year-round, and these big agents like Jamie Sexton and some of these other people that I know, like um, Trace Armstrong is Tom, Tom Herman's agent, they're working kind of longer. The, the, the window for this has gotten to be almost year-round and much, much longer. Obviously, not a whole lot of hiring and firing going on in March or April, unless you're Illinois or Baylor. Um, but but the, the creep into the early part of the season has changed the way agents do business. And so they're in, more, they're in contact with more ADs more of the time during the season than they ever have been before. The problem is this. Wasn't USC going to open Bill, right? One and three? Glorified right. interim coach who wasn't going to make it? Sure. And now, you know, to borrow an old everyday should be Saturday joke, they're a werewolf with a chainsaw for a penis. So they, the circumstances changed dramatically. I think Oregon could be a really interesting case here. We haven't talked about Oregon yet. Yeah, I think um, you know we've we, we've heard now that you know maybe they're less likely to to fire um, Helfrich number one because they you know won a pretty big game last week and number two because the they're not going to be number one in the market anymore. Um, and that kind of they're not going to be number two or three in the market, right? Well, there could be three. We'll see. Uh, well, it depends on who LSU hires, I guess. But um, depends on if, if if something like A and M opens, right? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm still going to assume, uh, foolishly that the A&M is not that close to that happening, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens if they lose, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, my, my one, my one addition to this, obviously this was your wheelhouse, but, um, on, on like Sunday night, I think it was Kirk Bowles. One of the Austin reporters had, uh, said something in terms of the administration said something to the effect of, you know, we're going to handle this situation with dignity, um, for the, you know, cause everybody loves Charlie and all that. Um, dignity would have been firing him on Sunday. Yeah, um, dignity is gone. And then deciding whether to let him coach his final game or or just you know let him say goodbye and have his uh, have an interim go the next game so that the team doesn't walk or whatever. Fine, like make sure whoever the because I know that there was a big you know the the players were threatening boycott and all that. You know, I I, I assume if you put uh, his number two in charge, whoever that is at this exact moment, I don't actually know. Um, then, you know, that wouldn't happen. But regardless, that's dignity. Dignity isn't making him think he now has a, still has a chance to save his job. Because what happens now if they go out and they beat TCU 42-3? to I don't think they're going to, 
But what happens if they do that and then you fire him? That's that's worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is your team just won a big semi-rivalry game uh, and then you had to fire your coach anyway and now uh, the players are even madder and the pro ch- there's more of a pro-Charlie faction that is now mad. This was the stupidest way to handle this. And they, here we are. We've seen reports of players going to coaches and asking about the other coaches that are being mentioned to take over the job. Right. We're seeing players trying to exercise some agency and, and organize some sort of protest. We've seen, Char- I mean, it's... Charlie gave them an out by losing to Kansas. That, that, that was it. You, there you go. He's done now. You handle it with dignity by firing him and saying you wish it had worked out. It's funny because everyone makes the joke about Lane Kiffin on the tarmac, but that's done for a reason. Right. The circumstances right. around college football now... I mean, you fire Les Miles is a great example. This is about to be a nastier Les Miles. If in some far flung way, Charlie Strong pulls a Les Miles here, we talked about this at work on Sunday or Monday. If Charlie is to pull a Les Miles in this situation, he's only going to survive. It's basically like giving a terminal, you know, cancer patient a few more months to live. I truly believe that because I think that what happened to Les will happen to Charlie even faster. They will lose one game, and Charlie will be fired next year. In I'm pulling up their twenty-seven. I'm pulling up their twenty seventeen schedule real quick. I don't think they have a Notre Dame type opener off the top. Uh, of they have. Uh, well, they've got um, at USC in week three. Okay. So they have Mar- they have Maryland, San Jose State at USC. Texas opens with uh, Maryland. Yeah, Maryland and San Jose State. So Great. key regional battles, and then you get your uh, trip to USC, where they. I mean, look. Here's the other thing about you know. Yeah, I, I know there are plenty of people who who say that that Charlie should have done better, and technically they're right. I mean, even if even if he was dealt a terrible hand, he recruits too well to go five and seven every year. Um, you know, the, even with a youth movement, that shouldn't be happening. He has underachieved, but he's also this year underachieved with a team that is almost completely freshmen and sophomores, and is going to be freaking loaded for whoever in 2017 and especially 2018. Um, so if he somehow keeps his job, I'm, well, it's, it, it is like an, a less miles situation in that next year he comes back with an insanely talented team and a chance, but less miles was kind of done in by, you know, by repetition, so to speak, you know, having the same thing happen over and over again, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and that's what did him in was like, it was like a rerun. Technically it doesn't have to be that way because he hasn't been around long enough to be a, a quote unquote rerun. So he would have a chance. He would lose to USC probably. Uh, and so he would maybe make it le- longer than less miles. But the, if you lose to USC and then you lose, I don't think the Big 12 has its schedule up yet. Uh, but if you lose to an early game to a Baylor or Oklahoma State, you're done. And uh, probably Oklahoma State, I guess. That seems to be who they play uh, in late September. But so when Baylor, 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 Baylor fired Art Bryles. Right. Um, and they hired Mac Rose as a new AD. Um. It was it was talked about pretty quickly, pretty aggressively in a lot of circles that Sonny Dykes would be the de facto number one on that job because Sonny Dykes had interviewed so many times with Mac Rose for other jobs. They have a good relationship. Right. Sonny obviously has good good Texas resume stuff with recruiting and offense, all that stuff. Um, Chad Morris is the front runner for that job right now, which I can confirm that. I, I, but it, the report that came out, I got a bunch of people tweeting at me. I think it was was it yesterday? Yeah. I think it was on Tuesday that uh, there was a report out of Dallas, and I don't remember who it was, it doesn't matter, that he had agreed already to take the job. Uh, I can tell you why that's uh, false. Um, there's 
always a tricky legal thing that coaches and ADs can do where they say, well, we didn't technically offer him the job, all that. Right. But w- w- the way to figure this out from a viewer standpoint is don't think about that stuff. It doesn't really matter because they'll change the rules on you in a heartbeat. I've had it done to me as a reporter. Um, just think about if you're Chad Morris. Um, what if Texas A&M opens? What if uh, Florida State opens? Okay. Is Baylor love you any less? If Baylor's in are love you with saying, you right now? Are you saying he would be considered for those jobs or that he would be what considered I'm for is whoever is Chad gets- Morris's agent, and I know, I know who Chad Morris's agent is, if I'm his agent, why would we lock something up? It's right. so, so extremely rare that that happens. Right. That's why when um, – and this is a spoiler – not a spoiler, but this is sort of like a truth moment. You know how I've said a bunch of times like, oh, Justin Fuente, such a fit at Virginia Tech. Part of what I mean by that is that the Fuente Tech deal was done as soon as humanly possible. So in other words, the agreement, everything else was done, signed, sealed, and delivered before the the true silly season opened on Black Friday or Black or Cyber Monday or firing Black Sunday and coaching. Um, that was done because that was a case of Fuente saying, I only have eyes for you. So in other words, it, 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 Fuente said, if Texas were to open, because remember we talked about this last year, if LSU were to open, because we talked about this last year, I, I want to go to Virginia Tech. You have engaged my representation because, remember, Beamer retired specifically at a certain time so they could do this kind of stuff. I want to coach here. Virginia Tech says, we want you. That does not happen. That is the freaking outlier. What happened? Yeah, I think Missouri is, tried to get on, in on Fuente. Fuente was like, yeah, no, I'm good. They were, I, yeah, I, I, and by the time that happened, it, it was very, very late in the process. They were done. That yeah. is the exception in college football. What you have now is the open market philosophy of the Jimmy Sexton, sort of like the way Scott Boris became the bane of baseball. Basically the same thing. So if you're Chad Morris, or if you're Larry Fedora, or if you're Sonny Dykes, or if you're et cetera, so on, why? You're not committed to anything right now. Let's see, let's see what the board looks like, right? Because you've got to coach this week, and maybe you've got to coach next week. Wait until the board is complete. Now, the board is moving quietly behind the scenes, and this is where the rumor and the message board stuff lives and thrives, and everybody gets off on it, and that's cool. Everybody's a reporter right now, believe me. Everybody's texting me hot, hot scoops. Um, and most of it is conjecture and speculation. A lot of it, people, it is assumption. People are throwing stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks. Oh, my God. Keep talking. Twice. Twice. Um, the problem is this has nothing to do with Wisconsin. Paul Christ was another Fuente style hire. That's his dream job. Yeah, yeah. Help me transition back in, Bill. So when um, they hired well, actually, Paul, when I interviewed Paul Christ, last time I interviewed Paul Christ, he was at Pittsburgh, and I knew. I, I mean, you knew, you right. knew that Alvarez was tapping him because Anderson really wasn't an off the Alvarez sort of family tree, and I think there was some frustration there. Um, and this just made too, too much sense. And, and again, Paul Christ Wisconsin is a very rare instance of things just making sense and being such natural fits that, of course, it was going to happen. We just don't see uh, that I'm, a lot. I'm going to wreck your transition really quick because I do have one thing to point out. Chad Morris, 7-16 uh, and 16 at SMU. Uh, last two years under June Jones, they were 6-18. and 18. So um, I think they're headed in the right direction, but they haven't actually gotten in that direction yet. Uh, well, the other thing about so, that, though, is that 
is that Chad Morris was being offered jobs like Vanderbilt when he was an offensive coordinator right. at Clemson. Right. They, no one is looking at his SMU resume and, and, and doing the math on it because that's, no one feels like that would be fair. I, that's tough, though, because um, no, I don't, don't know I, how yeah, I don't agree as the head coach. I don't agree with that. I just, I'm telling you, like, people are looking, they're going, oh, watch well, just SMU. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Anyway, so Wisconsin. Uh, Paul Christ was a very Wisconsin dude. Um, all right, which way do we want to? Which way do we want to take this here? I mean, really, honestly, for for the buck around guys, they, because Wisconsin is factoring into the playoff picture right now. I, let's. I, I, I will. I'll, let me ask you this, Bill. What are we not talking okay. about when we talk? When we what are we not talking about when we not talk about Wisconsin? Well, this year we're not talking about the fact that they took on a brutal schedule. The people have been complaining about their uh, Big Ten slates, especially for years, being too easy, and that's why they, you know, won this and da 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 da. Like that, that's been a constant. Um, you walk into a hornet's nest with Big Ten's fan, Big Ten fans sometimes because uh, you don't know what they like. What other fan bases complain about? When I mentioned uh, in my off-season preview this year that Wisconsin's schedule was absolutely brutal, um, I had like a million, a chorus of millions on Twitter and in the comments section of that preview. It was about damn time. Um, they have played, uh, the team's currently in, in S&P Plus ranked number two, three, and seven. Uh, they beat one of those teams on a new, uh, semi-neutral field, uh, Lambeau. And lost the other two games, one uh, on the road against Michigan by seven and one in overtime at home against Ohio State. Uh, They've beaten the number 26 team. They've beaten number 36. They've beaten number 50. Uh, uh, Whooped number 50 and number 59. Um, So in terms of top-level competition, the, the big games that count... They have played in three basically toss-up games against top 10 teams, and they've won one of them and almost won another. Um, I don't think we're talking about that enough. We, I think, uh, you know, by, by when we put them in the kind of the Wisconsin basket, so to speak, uh, which has lovely cheese curds in it, by the way, um, like real home-style stuff, um, made from the Dells. Um, when we... When we put them in the basket and say, hey, look, they're going to probably win 9, 10 games this year, just like they did last year and the year before and the year before, et cetera. Um, I think we're ignoring how good they are and um, or, and how impressive their resume has been this year. I'm not a big resume guy. I'm a big, you know, every play guy. They're still 10th in S&P Plus. Uh, they would only be better if there was any sort of resume factor in there. Um, ah, they're really good. They're a really good team. And most of that's defense. Most of that's defense this year. Their offense obviously struggled dramatically when Corey Clement was hurt. Um, they've scored 48 and 49 the last two weeks. So um, that really might not be the case anymore. Granted, Illinois and Purdue, but still uh, at their tempo, 48 and 49 points. Um, if they beat Wisconsin or if they beat Minnesota, that's another top 50 win. And they're going to go into the, uh, the Big Ten title game potentially. I guess, you know. It might be Penn State, but it could be Michigan and Ohio State again, and they know what they want to do in those games, and they want they know they can run the ball on Ohio State if you know Penn State were to get upset by Michigan State. I think we all think that's a reasonable possibility, at least. Um, Definitely, we know they can defend Michigan. You know, what, you know why I should pick Michigan State this week? Because it was it's it's a transitive win over Ohio State, and <laughs> we know how that goes with Michigan. That's right. Um. No, you know, I, I think um, no, I just think we're ignoring that this is a re- really legitimately good team, and their defense has been 
dynamite. Like the fact that they gave up 20 to Purdue the other day was jarring because they gave up nine to Iowa, 17 to Nebraska, three to Illinois, seven to Northwestern, 14 to Michigan, six to Michigan state, uh, 14 to LSU even, which, you know, is less impressive now than it seemed at the time. But um, really, 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 really good defense. And uh, they would have a chance. They are kind of built to win a giant slog of a game. And they're good enough that against anybody except probably Alabama, they could turn any game into a slog of a game and really define the game, play their style. Uh, of course, have TJ Watt, you know, continue to impersonate his brother. Their linebacking core is really, 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 really good. And um, good team. Good team. The end. I like it. I promise I'll learn more about you, Wisconsin. I promise I won't just overlook you because you're the nice, reliable pick. A lot of people get married to that. They live happily Eventually, ever after. you got to go. Yeah, that's who you marry. Yeah, you can be attracted to the bad boys, but you marry Wisconsin. <laughs> God. I can't even. I can't, I can't pick myself up after that. I can't do it. I'm trying to think what else to talk about Wisconsin. I mean, I can talk for five minutes about Capital Brewery if we want, because, uh, God. Uh, uh, we think Buck around. Um, we um, really, I, again, I was floored by the fact that someone came in with a matching donation. I know the Michigan money cannon went off last week, or I think is the technical internet name the Ann Arbor money cannon? cannon? I'm not I've sure heard which Michigan one. Um, I think it's one the problem them. is, like, you expect that from the Michigan fans, so it, it <laughs> become, and that's not fair, but it becomes, like, less of a thing. So, sorry, Michigan, but thank you, Wisconsin. And, again, uh, go, you can check out the GoFundMe page. It's linked every week in, our, in, our, um, in the show notes on the SB Nation entry for every podcast they played nobody. It's pinned at the top of my Twitter page. Um, two, less than two grand to go, so get on it. Uh, Vincent Tag. Vince is our um, – second segment winner um so on behalf of boston college he pledged money to our fundraiser as well um so vince has an issue with a blog entry over at bc interruption which is sb nation's boston college uh um blog he his objection is basically that there were some idealistic names <laughs> pegged <laughs> to the potential of firing steve adazio and going out into the job market which they, they, it seems like they're not going to do this year could almost say for certain because i mean bc's still alive for a bowl aren't they yeah yeah so he says i don't mean to disparage bc interruption as a kid who grew up in philadelphia a weird nexus of penn state homerism and notre dame bandwagon hopping i'm always thankful i could go to their blog for the bc football coverage however i think that article is a great example of how delusional the bc community has become about the state of their football team let's forget for one second that adazio has not been fired yet and probably won't be if they beat yukon and wake forest no guarantee, but not exactly murderer's row either. Did they beat UConn? Yeah, they whooped UConn. UConn's done. UConn is absolute toast at this point, but go ahead. Please consider the lunacy of their proposed list. Don Brown, Chip Kelly, Tom Herman, Lane Kiffin, and Tom Effing Coughlin. Uh, two commenters have the gall to chip in with P.J. Fleck and Charlie Strong. Even more reasonable names like Ryan Day and Matt Rule seem nuts when you consider the recruiting and resources tire fire that is BC football in 2016. <laughs> Gentlemen, please talk me off the ledge here, or don't. I grew up wearing a Doug Flutie jersey to games and watching great BC teams featuring players like Willie Green, Brian Toll, Matt Ryan, and Mark, uh, Mark Herzling. Uh, by the way, uh, Maddie the dog, Maddie, come here, is named after Matt Ryan. I don't know if people knew that, so... Go Eagles. Go BC. Didn't he got his jersey ice. retired last week. What's that? He didn't never ice. The, uh, so real fast, because this podcast is already going along. Uh, we adopted the dog. My wife wanted to do something traditional, like a name out of like a literary book or something like that. She refused to let me do anything Atlanta-related, so I tricked her. 
we're walking the dog. We get we get her from the rescue shelter because she's half pit bull, and they um, her name was just tagged as Daisy. They just give him you know like generated names or whatever, and so she's kind of calling out girls' names. Maddie's a girl, and uh, I said, well, "What about Matilda?" And she goes, "I love that. We can call." Her. And I said, "Yeah, we can call her Maddie for short." Because at the time, the Maddie Ice thing had just taken. <clears throat> so about two years later, she realized the, the error of her ways. But I don't care because I married a Saints fan, and I get to be emotionally abusive to her. Um, back to Vince's email. Um, unfortunately, I attended BC during the fallow Frank Spaziani, Steve Atazio years. Yeah, fallow would be a good word for that. I don't see the program pulling out of this nosedive as, as it is currently constructed. I'm starting to think the Tom O'Brien, Jeff Jag- Jagosinski, I can never pronounce his name, years, were the exception and not the rule for a private Catholic college in a northeast city that doesn't give a damn about college football. That is true. Boston, no, Boston ain't care at all. Still, I witnessed how this school at one time, the late 90s and the late 2000s, recruited the Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey corridor very successfully and won a lot of games as a result. In a nutshell, please use your unique combination of numbers and culture to forecast me, uh, for, forecast for me what I should expect from my alma mater going forward. Please uh, keep up the excellent work. I didn't do the show intro, by the way. I just remembered. We're so unprofessional. Um, BL? Yeah, how bad is it? All right, so first of all, this list... Um is crazy. I don't even. Well, it's it partially that. crazy. So Don Brown, I mean, dude's like 88 years old. He's not going to have many ch- chances for a head coaching gig. So if the job were available and it's not at the moment, uh, he would probably be a good person to approach. Uh, I don't know if he'd be a good head coach. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he was, I think fine at like the Northeasterns of the world. He, he's been mm-hmm. a head coach before, but you know, I mean, maybe that would be, or maybe that would work out. Okay. You'd have good defenses. Um, Ryan day, former Boston college offensive coordinator. Now San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks coach. That seems fine. Um, that seems it's made entirely because he went to your college. Right. And that's I Which mean, is the job that, that you give in a frat boy fundraiser. <laughs> you know, that's the, if that's a draw, fine. Uh, Chip Kelly. No. Um, Tom Coughlin. I don't, uh, I mean, if he really wants to be a head coach again, he's 70. Uh, I don't really think he'd yeah, – jazz. whatever, sure. We'll say Tom Coughlin's realistic. Tom Herman, no. Uh, Greg Schiano, uh, again, I don't know how successful he would be, but he's 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 in his rehab stint right now, and, and I don't say, know I'm exactly. I'm going to say one thing on that because okay. they're, they're not getting rid of Adazio this year, this year, but uh, that one I would put on the board. Yes. Lane Kiffin, no. Uh, Matt Rule, Matt Maybe. Rule. I'm. I, I don't know where his. I don't know what his goals are. I don't know where. Like where? Because I mean, right now Temple's in a really good spot and not in the ACC. Um, not in the. Not in the bad. Not in the murderous division of the ACC. So he could. I don't know if he's. He might aim higher. Um, okay. and he might not. He's a northeastern guy. I, I don't know what where his bar is or, or how seriously he would take it. If you're a Boston College fan, you absolutely put him on the list, though. Rick Stockstill's on the list, which kind of fascinates me. Um, nope. I, I, as far as I know, he has absolutely no ties to the Northeast. Um, I'd love it because I love his offense, but no, probably not. Kenny Amatololo, um, you, sir, have gotten uh, scorned for your take uh, on him hiring agents being a sign that he might take another job. Um, I, If he were to take another job, it would, it would have to be a – this level, right? I mean, we're not going to see, and uh, uh, we're not going to see a, 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 a more 
recruiting a, a school reliant on big recruiting and whatnot. We're gonna we're not gonna see them take a chance on on an option guy. So maybe just um, just because it pisses off Navy's SID so badly, I'll say that <laughs> I'll say that uh, Niamatamillo is a finalist for the job. Okay. What up, Scott? At me. <laughs> Love you, Scott. Um, so, I mean, the, the, first of all, this list wasn't wretched. Now, obviously, having, having, having Herman and Chip Kelly on the list kind of d- d- made it seem terrible because th- that's, that's not okay. happening. It's just, it's just fancy and fans. Right, and most of these me. names are, are just – I mean, this is what you come up with if you're a Boston College fan trying to find a hopeful name for the Yeah, future. I was say, you want to be hopeful. This is what you do. I mean, it's my job to crush your dreams on my booty hole, <laughs> but, uh, you know, until then, uh, reach for the stars. So, but as far as like, this is one of the programs that I really struggled to figure out what the goals should be. Cause yeah, a decade ago, they were 11 and three. They were second in the country in 2007. Because and of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. But they finished in a, let's see, under Tom O'Brien and then Jagosinski, they finished ranked five times in seven years. That wasn't all Matt Ryan. They, they spent part of the season ranked the year after Ryan too. Um, That's just his residue. Sure, and finished nine and five, but then they fired Jagosinski because he was flirting with other jobs, and they did not want that. Was a really uh, I got to flip from uh, pithy joke to to hashtag real talk. Uh, bad that move. Uh, yeah. Bad move in coaching I, circles. Yeah. Um, I think it really. I think it put BC's administration at odds with a lot of influential people in coaching circles, and I think yeah. it's part of the reason they're in the state that they are is that they cut their nose off to spite their face right. and really operated. In a very 1950s, 60s vibe in a, in the modern coaching market, and it was so ill advised that maybe it wasn't advised at all. <laughs> I mean, it really was. And I mean, if you're if you're an athletic director and your guy is interviewing for this job and that job, that's really annoying. I get it, um, but <laughs> you fired him, and since then your win total has gone eight seven four two seven seven three five. Uh, in two years, Jagosinski won 12, uh, 20 games. Uh, and and you've in the last three years now won 15, uh, 22 in the last four, 20, 24 in the last five. So you uh, you know that was that was a uh, an angry move. It was kind of from an emotional standpoint, understandable, but it backfired horribly. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I you guess part I of the, you know what I just googled. What's that? Is is Joe Mowgli a Catholic? Yeah, get, get, get Joe Mowgli a good job. I'm all Here's for that. why. Here's why. Um, recruiting up there is not going to be – you can't hire a proven recruiter to that region. It doesn't work that way. There are Texas guys. There are Florida guys. There are California guys, and there are Southern guys. After that, you're just a good recruiter. There are certainly assistant coaches who know areas, no doubt, right? You want to find somebody who knows the state of Massachusetts, Connecticut, all that, and and, and call what talent is there. So I'm not saying you you get a a staff full of -of out-of-towners just because the region is is a little thin or a lot thin, but you don't try and focus on recruiting on this one. I think you need systematic program change. I think there's lingering problems from that from the Jagosinski firing, and I think that you need someone who can simultaneously run an efficient program with the, the resources that are currently allotted and then also work the administration to open up the checkbooks to maybe fix the diplomatic problems, whatever those are, X and Y. And I think Mowgli would be the kind of guy just based on his disposition. Mm-hmm. 
if I have a running theme when I make coaching recommendations on this show for schools that are either systematically bad in the power five or looking just to establish any identity, I always, I'm always preaching outliers. Always. Yeah. Because I don't think the guys that you hire, the Gary Andersons and, and Mike Riley's of the world, anyone who touches Oregon State essentially, um, you don't get those kind of results in situations like this. You have to go dynamic or go home when you're BC. Yeah. Because your floor is low and your ceiling can sometimes be high. So you have to put a gamble in. I had a really great conversation with Brian Floyd, our managing editor at SB Nation, who is, uh, I don't know if he still runs Kook Center or not, but he's a Wazoo graduate. He's headed out to Washington. I think he's already there for the Apple Cup, talking about Wazoo essentially has to live in chaos. They, <laughs> right. I mean, we make jokes about like the snow and the drinking and the leech and all that, but I'm talking more about the. If you go Paul Wolf, you see what you get, right? So there are certain programs in which you can kind of go baseline, steady, and reliable and get an 8-4 and four team, Nebraska. If you apply the same metrics to Boston College, to Wake Forest, you're going to get 4-8 and eight because that's the floor for your program. So I, if I'm BC, knowing that it is humanly possible to win there, not just needing Jesus Christ himself, Matthew Ryan, to come in um, and then vomit his way to a touch to game-winning touchdown. Do you remember that? It was a Thursday night game. I yeah, can't dude. remember who they played, though. That was Clemson, was it? wasn't it? I can't remember. I don't know. My ACC is rusty. Uh, you have to find someone who's willing to give you immediate success. BC is also not one of these schools where it's like, hey, man, we got a stadium of 65,000. Ain't nobody showed up. We need somebody dynamic. Yeah. Nobody cares up on Chestnut Hill. I'm sorry, and I don't mean that in a rude way, but it's not a it's not a town in which you have to worry about that right now. You know, Matt Rule was able to go in at Temple and kind of work for a little while, and if oh Temple's good, oh that's nice. You know, BC's not demanding you come in immediately and win. So go dynamic. I think what what um where I get tripped up trying to figure out Boston College is, uh, you know, I, I try to look at two things. I mean, number one, yeah, what kind of risk do you need to take? Um, what, as you're kind of saying, what, you know, a safe hire or a normal hire, what's that going to, what's that going to get you? But the other thing is what, um, what is your recruiting base? What can you land? Uh, what kind of athletes can you land at your school? And Boston College, they're, they're going to be a hell of a front, a defensive front seven. Uh, because, you know, that's just, that's Boston. You're, you're always going to get good, uh, pretty good linemen and very good linebackers. Um, and if that's your recruiting base, then it kind of makes sense to go stolid, go with like a, a Don Brown type, uh, you know, who's going to, who's going to maximize what you can do that on the defensive side of the ball and maybe occasionally have a good offense. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's in the Northeast, there's a you have you seem to be able to land those type of athletes a lot better than you can land a big time quarterback and uh, you know big time receivers and and kind of have a dynamic Mike Leach for instance offense. Uh, so that's where I that's where I get kind of tripped up. You know, you can bring in anybody, and if they can recruit like Florida or something, if they have those ties, then sure. I mean, you can you can run any style you want, but in terms of local recruiting, you can get a, you can land some really solid two star linebackers. Um, and you know, maybe that's an argument to go with a Don Brown, or maybe that's an argument to go with like a Mike Leach, assuming that he'll, he'll also land those linebackers and maybe bring a good offense to the table too. I don't know. This is a really tricky one. I, I, I have not ever really come to a very good conclusion on it, which is exactly just, the opposite of why he paid for us to talk about them. 
I just think you fight the you fight the front of the administration first while also being competent enough to find a six win season. Because that's enough equity in the short term to find uh, by the support way, in the community. It is the, look, it is a large American I, I hate playing these games where we stereotype by region because it only reinforces the worst ideas of provincialism, but I'm just talking about recruits. I mean I'm not No, I no, but what I'm saying is you can find support in Boston. You can suffice you, oh, you gotcha, people gotcha. enjoy football in New England. Like it's we're, you know, I hate that when you get hyperbolic about the regional aspect of the sport is it's when a lot of really, really dumb assumptions get made. Like, by the way, um, if Adazio were to beat Wake Forest and they get to six and six, that'll be three, uh, three out of four years where he hits that six or seven win mark. Um, that might win you time with the administration, but fans still hate the hell out of him. Fans hated him after that second seven and six year. I, I was kind of surprised. I think he's. I mentioned. I mean, I understand. Yeah, I understand. There's a vacuum at AD right now, and that's why they're not going to make the change. I get that, and I'm not criticizing that. But I'm just saying, I think his time there. I think the blooms off the rose. Oh yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like after, you know, like I said, sometimes when I write these previews, I kind of walk into a hornet's nest. Um, and in I think it, it would have been the 2015 preview where I mentioned uh, that they were going to kind of rebuild after that second seven and six year. Where, where was it? Murphy at quarterback. Uh, they had a really lovely run defense or run game. Um, I mentioned they're probably going to take a step back, but that they might be they might be building something if they can figure out uh, how not to bottom out on offense. And granted, they did bottom out on offense, but even then, people were like the the, the amount of vitriol I got in response to just saying, "Well, maybe Adazio's okay. He's not great. No, he's terrible. He's a, he's awful." Uh, right, 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 right. You know that that kind of they were angry at him when he was winning more than he was losing, and since then he's gone eight and fifteen. So uh, yeah, the ropes. Uh, if you if you want anybody to show up, uh, you know you better you better either dump him or, or win a lot of games next year, and that's probably not going to happen. Thank you for your donation, Vince. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes they're they're always hopefully always informative, not necessarily always optimistic. Bill, whoo, we're running heavy, so I hope I hope this yeah. gets up in time for everybody's Thanksgiving drive. Um, I hope you have that's a good right. Thanksgiving. Um, let's you just, let's uh, talk about games. We're probably just going to have to get the hell out of here after that. Yeah, uh, we're not going to do a box score bingo, but I, I'm just going to point out two numbers real quick. That's going to be our box score bingo for the week. Um, power, all the power in the world to my Missouri Tigers for gaming, gaining 740 yards in Knoxville and losing by 26 points. Uh, that is God. that is a combination I didn't know was conceivable, um, and it happened. It was, uh, it was uh, just spectacular. It was one, uh, so you uh, saw uh, the opposite game as me. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I yeah, you were in Baton Rouge. Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. the exact opposite game, huh. uh, but yeah, Missouri gained 740 yards, but uh, throws a pick six, uh, misses a PAT uh, because the kicker situation is, is a disaster. They had to go for it on like fourth and twelve from the twenty and didn't and didn't convert. Obviously, uh, lost uh, two fumbles in Tennessee territory uh, and uh, allowed Josh Dobbs to juke them out of their pants and run for long distances. So. Uh, power to them for figuring that out. And then the other fun stat of the week, uh, West Virginia, Justin Crawford rushes for 331 yards and 24 carries, and West Virginia loses by 28 points. Also, that game sucked. It could have been so cool. Yeah, it could have been so cool, but West West uh, Virginia was just out of his freaking mind early in the game and, and just bumbled everything to pieces. It was... This is why sometimes I've, like, I've, uh, assistant coaches will, will try and calm guys down and like you have these like pyrotechnic crazy video board yeah. you know 
music blaring entrances, and they have that at West Virginia. I've been in the visitors' locker room coming out in uh, on that deal when I was embedded last year, and it's intense. And I, I'm sure it was like a hundred times more intense because it was snowing and it was Oklahoma and da da da. And they tussled like, before the game. Coach, yeah, that's right. Uh, a lot of a lot of coaches hate that stuff, and I was like, I, in a very naive, you know, front of the house consumer way, I'm like, why? That's that's awesome, man. Those videos are great. Like every, he's like, yeah. A coach, all these coaches say they're like, yeah, but like you got to calm these idiots down after that. You got to get them to focus <laughs> on like, all right, well, okay, you're jumping around and you came out to Jay Z or whatever, and there's explosions and everyone's freaking out and it's a whiteout or whatever, and like, all right, cool, well, you're probably so jacked right now, you don't remember the fourth play that we scripted, so yeah, like that, that was like, that's that game, what West Virginia looked like after that tussle uh, before the game. OU was like, okay, we're ready, and West Virginia was just you know. Whoa! And and did and had absolutely no concept of how to play the game of football till the second quarter. Yeah, that that rrr, rrr, rrr didn't involve any kind of um, secondary coverage. <laughs> That's right. Bill, we'll go real fast. LSU at A and M. Swear to God, this one's an anxiety bowl. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Um, yeah. the, the, these coaches need these wins so bad. Uh, Ed Ogeron doesn't win this. He absolutely doesn't get the LSU I, I mean, job. I think it's I think it's over anyway. Which. Um, yeah. It's possible. It's possible. I still think there's a chance that Ogeron gets the job because of some of the finances involved and also <laughs> because he has an immense amount of support in the administration at LSU. Um, similar to another guy, uh, Charlie Strong. Kevin Sumlin, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's see, uh, let's see how bad they lose this game, if they lose this game at all. Um, makes no sense to do that, but uh, since when does that stop at Texas Institution? Um, on Friday, by the way, that game's on Thanksgiving. Have fun. I will be eating Thanksgiving, by the way, with a football team. You're, by the not. way, you're eating the mic. You're, you're very, you're very. Well, you know what, Bill? I get yelled at if I. <laughs> Just say it. I'm, I'm trying to help. Damned if I do. Um, uh, oh, Black Friday, Houston, Memphis. Uh, come enjoy. Turn on the TV while your loved ones shop and watch Tom Herman's last game. Um, <laughs> Arkansas, Missouri, is there anything you want to say about that? Um, going to go? Well, yeah, I'll be there. Um, I, I mean, God, Missouri can run the ball like crazy. Even even if Demario Crockett's uh, suspended, they can run the ball like crazy, and they can allow you to run like crazy. So it should be fun. Gross. Uh, TCU at Texas, everyone's going to watch it for all the wrong reasons. Washington, well, Washington State is the game. While, that's the thing is while TCU and Texas are playing each other, Washington and Wazoo are playing. I, I do hate, for Wazoo's sake, that that game is at one thirty local time. That should have been 7 p.m. local time right there. That should have been, been a drunky drunk drunk, but Fox does, not have, Fox does not have a primetime slot for Friday night, so that is why. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, the only game in primetime on Friday night is Arizona State at Arizona, a bungling, yeah. if you will, of the schedule, but yeah. that's yeah, how I the think, rights are distributed. I think, we're, uh, I think the wife and I are going to go see Doctor Strange on Friday night. I think that's our goal. Ooh, I haven't seen it either. I wish I – you know what? I'm – uh, depends on my embed, but, um, all right, moving along, um, Saturday, a little thinner, obviously, because the games are spread out, um, yeah, a lot of these rivalry games, I mean, I'm gonna talk about the chicken bowl in a second, but, um, Kentucky-Louisville, it'll probably be interesting for 10 minutes to see how long the hangover lasts, I mean, outside of Michigan-Ohio State, it's a little thin, can't say I can get up for a lot of these games. UCF and South Florida will be good. Um, yeah, that's that's really, in terms of pure entertainment value, that's going to be really fun. And I will say, by the way, Georgia Tech and Georgia are both kind of, to the extent that they have peaked this year, they're both peaking. So I still I have a little bit of hope in that game. Um, Not Notre so much. Dame, USC. 
You don't have to watch Notre Dame and USC play. You don't have to. It's fun. The helmets are pretty. The helmets are pretty, and you can you know reflect on the bush push. And uh, you're not going to watch that game though, because you're going to be watching the Iron Bowl. Uh, we got Iron Bowl. We got the game. Uh, this would be the only college football podcast that's popular right now that uh, doesn't talk about the game on their uh, on their podcast right now. But I have nothing left to say about Michigan and Ohio State other than I think Ohio State's going to win by two scores. And uh, let's just play the damn thing already so we can figure out the playoff. Yeah. I'm, I, I just I don't know if Michigan can move the ball. Their defense is still going to be awesome, but they got to move the ball, and I'm not sure. My sneaking uh, suspicion with this game is that it does not live up to the hype. Well, it's impossible. They have a five-hour game day. They've set the bar at, like, 2013 Iron Bowl. There's no yeah, way you can meet the hype of this game. That's stupid, stupid, stupid by ESPN. So much They're trying to milk it. Um, um, just And they're doing that because they have the rights. Sometimes they're very diplomatic, and they go and do game day for a game they don't have the rights to, CBS or Fox, but... They're trying to push you as hard as you can, uh, as hard as they can, directly into the game because it kicks off. And by the way, I need to some clarity here, and I'm sure it's just tradition is going to be the big dumb answer on Twitter. But is there is there a, a hard and fast reason why this game kicks off at noon? Tradition. Eastern. Tradition. So stupid. Tradition. Yeah, it's always okay. yeah. So comma stupid. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Dumb Underrated thing. game of the day. We've already mentioned it, but while the Iron Bowl is going on. Um, in the, well, first of all, well, I mean, if Michigan wins, obviously this doesn't matter. But if Ohio State does indeed beat Michigan, uh, Michigan State, I, I, the, I mean, the two best games they played this year have been against Michigan and Ohio State. They still seem to have something in the tank for big spoiler moments. Uh, they haven't quite gotten there. They really almost got there last week. But they can frustrate Penn State's offense. They can make this like a 13 to 10 game in the, in the, well into the second half. Um, and man, if Penn State stumbles into this opportunity to win the Big Ten East and maybe still has a slight chance of making the playoff, uh, and then there's suddenly a heavy favorite, twelve point favorite, up three points in the fourth quarter, uh, that is that is major, uh, as Bomani Jones would say, lemon booty territory right there. Um, so I would be very this. I'm not a Penn State game uh, fan, and this this game makes me nervous for Penn State. So yeah, very we'll much see. so. Um, couple, couple, you know, kind of Schadenfreude type games, or just checking to see if Oregon is still alive in the Oregon State game. Um, the evening slate is okay. It's not bad. I mean, I guess Florida and Florida State are. I guess that's a game that you should. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's going to be a fun game with no stakes whatsoever. It'll just be kind of a fun, athletic, competitive game. uh, Which I mean, it's football. the The game you should be watching, however, is of course um, Utah, Colorado. Because, ooh, the field rushing that's going to be going on if Colorado wins that game. Uh, you can call me crazy now, but so there's something about South Carolina Clemson that doesn't make me feel – it doesn't make me feel assured that that outcome is just no. uh, a given. I tried to – and I wrote a big piece this morning for SB Nation, uh, basically writing something about every single damn game of the weekend um, with emojis. Uh, is my, one of my favorite things to write uh, of the college football season. But I, I, I did mention, I mean, South Carolina is at least averaging uh, 28 points a game since, uh, what's his name, Bentley took over. And Clemson has, at times, allowed lesser competition to hang around. I, I think I think South Carolina is still too lesser. Uh, they're a bend-out-break defense, but Clemson will bend you all day. I mean, they don't – oh, that sounded dirty. I'm sorry. Um, South Ooh, don't be. Yeah. 
Um, Clemson is ruthlessly efficient. They might not come up with big plays, but they don't care because they're just going to move the ball five yards at a time. Uh, right. So I think I don't think South Carolina is going to have enough resistance, but that is basically a watch just in case. Keep an eye on it uh, in case that game is interesting in the second half. Uh, and I'll also allow me to shout out the Bayou Classic, uh, which starts at, I believe, 4 p.m. Central time, God's time zone. Um, it's a Bayou Classic, so it's big or whatever, but also these are two... Grambling's ranked. You know, this is uh, the Celebration Bowl. If they win and they go to the Celebration Bowl after beating a pretty terrible Alcorn State team in the SWAC title game, um, the Celebration Bowl will be ranked versus ranked for uh, in terms of NC Central versus Grambling. Uh, it's kind of a weird, a funny little catch. If Southern wins, then uh, Southern could win the SWAC title game but not be eligible for the Celebration Bowl because of APR penalties. Uh, so they win the, the SWAC, they screw Grambling, and Alcorn State goes and gets crushed by North Carolina Central in Celebration Bowl. So I'm rooting for a good Celebration Bowl. I'm rooting for Grambling, uh, which hurts because I love Southern. I love Southern Bay. Uh, in in local political news, uh, Tennessee <laughs> Vanderbilt and the Egg Bowl are both going to be uh, worth watching on very 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 local levels. Um, if Tennessee were to lose to Vanderbilt, um, oh. it would it would uh, crystallize a return to the Butch Jones despair that has just plagued every single offseason since he got here. Fair or not, fair or not, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, it is definitely a game worth watching because Vanderbilt's defense is peaking. Um, and I don't know what Tennessee's mindset is. They're not really playing for anything dramatic. Um, and, again, if it's as cold as it was last week when they beat up on Ole Miss, if Tennessee comes in as flat as Ole Miss did, which I think is very possible because they're similar teams in, in, in certain regards. Um, I mean, Dobbs is a much more experienced quarterback, obviously. But uh, mm, that, that game is interesting. It's at night. Um, and then the Egg Bowl uh, doesn't mean much of anything other than the fact that Ole Miss is trying to get bowl eligible. But – with the NCAA stuff going on and the way that that's shaping out, that it's yeah, the NCAA stuff is, is sort of coming down to claims from Mississippi State against Ole Miss. Um, and again, this isn't, I haven't touched any of this on the podcast, but it's real, real nasty right now. Yeah. And so on a local level, um, that thing's going to get ugly. I expect some changes at both of those schools, by the way. Um, it's a little tease. Um, a little tease and by me. the way, just in terms of on-field product, Eggball still has uh, Fitzgerald versus Shea Patterson, and those are two uh, fun, flawed as hell, but fun quarterbacks. So uh, they could do fun well, things. things among, yeah, among, things among, among the brain farts. Among the brain farts, yeah. uh, they would all, they will also make some really fun plays. Things gonna go boom. <laughs> don't know what, don't know when, but uh, Bill, this is the end of the regular season. Um, we so, will have... so I've never really I, – I, I sort of count championship week as regular season. Well, I just – I look basically because of the volume of games. Yeah. Next this Saturday. Actually, yeah, this is the hurrah. Yeah, next Saturday on the 3rd, I will be watching games very sparingly as I will be uh, moving, and then um, I will be on assignment as well after that. But uh, we will still do um, – we will do recap shows – for definitely this Sunday. I don't know about the next week. Well, I think um, next we, Sunday we'll have championships to respond to. So, sure, we can fill 30 minutes. I'm there. Uh, it's, it's Unless possible. you're moving. It's possible, yeah. Well, also, we're going to be shifting a couple other things for things that we can't talk about just yet. But um, we will be with you definitely. The Wednesday show doesn't really go anywhere. Nothing really happens to that. Uh, but we'll try and figure out what our off-season schedule is going to look like as we go through bowls. But it, I'll be honest, as far as it's between coaching news – Hell, coaching news alone, plus the Bulls, and then we skirt through the playoffs. It's not you're not going to feel the pinch of of college football's absence for at least six more weeks. You promise? I mean, yeah, I feel like that's right. Yeah. yeah What's six weeks from now? 
a long time. Well, isn't the, was the title game twelfth or something it's, of January? Yeah, it's about six weeks. It's about six weeks. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. And we're and gonna you, be able to in 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 uh, January. We're gonna be able to record a podcast together in person. We are. We're gonna record a podcast together Maybe in person, two. which we've done before. Yeah. We've done we've done that before. But also, uh, we'll have some new plans. Uh, we're gonna have some new uh, audio equipment. Um, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have a new logo coming soon. We're gonna have. Um, possibly some merchandise to hit for a particular reason or two, and a couple other things that we can't talk about yet. So uh, I just I just noticed kind of as I pulled up my TV schedule at LSUfootball.net, which is the greatest TV schedule that you can find for college football on the internet. Um, we're done with the regular season. Okay, that's it. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, so this has been like a super long edition, but uh, again, I think a lot of you are probably driving somewhere for the holiday. So. I know that feel, man. I hope I helped you guys out. I hope we uh, we gave you. I just picture a lot of dads with earbuds in right now, and rocking some like Chevys. What what is the modern Chevy Suburban? The Tahoe, you think? I think we've probably got a lot of Tahoe drivers. I don't know. The the Outback feels like a pretty uh, dad car to me. And I yeah, know. we've probably got some Outbackers too. Um, so as always, we thank you for your time. You can follow Bill Connolly on Twitter at SBN underscore Bill C. Myself on Twitter. I hadn't updated my Instagram in a month, at 38Godfrey. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, SoundCloud, iTunes. I use Overcast. Apparently, we're not on Stitcher. We're trying to figure out why. Um, so Google Play. We're apparently not on Google Play either, which I didn't really know was a thing. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, I'm about to kick somebody's ass. All the cool serious? kids have to come to us. That's what I say. We're the cool kids. Are you serious? Oh, are you serious about that? I think so. Uh, the, I mean, I'm and sure. We're not on fault. Google Play? I think so.